It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host and conductor of the train, taking you on a journey on the weekend. It is the 4th of July weekend. Yep, that's right. Monday is the 4th of July, so bring you this Saturday podcast, and a lot has happened. I mean, a lot has happened. I am now starting my countdown to episode 300. That's right. Had a blast doing episode 200. Had some great guests on. Mike Kennedy, the voice of the Shockers. Scott Styles, a voice that should still be heard on radio and not just once a year. And of course, the first player to ever lead the NCAA college basketball in rebounding and scoring in the same season. The one and only, the Intimidator, the X-Factor, the X-Man, Xavier McDaniel. That's right. So I am elated that those guys joined me on my 200th podcast episode. And now we are getting started with episode 201, Countdown to 300. That's right. This is your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And do we have a lot to get to you on this here second day of July? A lot has happened. One of my Facebook friends sent me a text message saying he is through with college football. He says the conference realignment, NIL, all the above has done it in for him. Can I share something with you? He's definitely going to be watching the college football game this year. I can guarantee you that. He's going to watch some college basketball. He is not through. I don't care how many I don't care how many times they realign. He's going to watch some form shape form or fashion of some college football and some college even if he's watching Jackson State versus FAMU. He's going to watch some college football. But I'm going to start the show off today with some NBA talk. Uh a lot's going on in that scene as well too. Uh, some quick news here. Uh, Cody Martin and the Hornets reportedly agreed to a four-year, $32 million contract in 2022 free agency. So restricted free agent forward Cody Martin is reportedly returning to the Charlotte Hornets on a four-year, $32 million contract per Shams Sharania of Stadium and the Athletic. The 26-year-old has played all three of his NBA seasons with the Hornets. He Average 7.7 points on 48.2% shooting, 38.4% from three-point range, four rebounds and 2.5 assists in 26.3 minutes per game last season. Martin played 71 games, starting 11. Charlotte selected Martin, a former University of Nevada star, with the number 36 pick in the 2019 draft. His twin brother, Caleb Martin, also plays for the Miami Heat. It's quite rare to see a second-round pick sign a second contract with their original team, and that's certainly the case in Hornets history, as James Plowright of All Hornets noted. In a tweet, he said, 
Cody Martin becomes the first second-round pick to be re-signed after their rookie contract in Charlotte Hornets history. This deal marks a big win for Martin, who got a well-deserved contract after a good year. Brian Gessinger of ACC Sports and Sports Channel 8 offered compliments in his tweet, saying, Salute to Cody Martin, a player development success story, second-round pick, $32 million. Make or break season for him, shooting the ball and drill 38 three-point percentage of his corner three-point attempts while adding second side plus transition slashing and solid team defense makes winning plays. So there's a lot of nice things being said about one Cody Martin. It also goes on. Martin came up clutch numerous times for the 43 and 39 Hornets who reached the play-in tournament for the second straight year. The 6'6 forward posted 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 steals in a 124-123 win over the Sacramento Kings on December 10, 2021. He also dropped a season-high 21 points and 8 rebounds 5 days later versus the San Antonio Spurs. The Hornets are looking to take a leap into play, into the playoffs behind Star LaMelo Ball after coming up just short the past two seasons. They brought ex-head coach Steve Clifford, who was the last person to lead the Hornets to the postseason back into the mix on the sidelines. Now, another piece of the offseason puzzle falls with Martin signing a four-year deal. As I told you, a lot has taken place this week. And the big bombshell, KD. And he's at least open to another possibility. We know he put his list out. Miami was on his list. Phoenix was on his list. Now, even as of today, Kevin Durant is at least open to possibility of Raptors trade from Nets. Brooklyn Nets star forward Kevin Durant, who has requested a trade, may reportedly be open to the possibility of landing with the Toronto Raptors. Michael Grange of Sportsnet provided the report. There is also a sense, though it's reading tea leaves at this stage, as teams can't communicate directly with Durant, who remains under contract with the Nets, that the two-time champion and 11-time All-NBA force of nature is at least open to the possibility of playing in Toronto. The Phoenix Suns are already a preferred trade destination per Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski also reported that the Miami Heat are on Durant's wish list. All of those teams naturally have competition for Durant, a 12-team, a 12-time All-Star who just averaged 29.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 6.4 assists per game for the Nets. Wojnarowski also reported that the Nets are ultimately looking to do business with the team that will get them the best package of picks and assets and that there is no shortage of teams willing to unload assets for Durant. Toronto is apparently one of those teams, and Wojnarowski reported Friday on ESPN's NBA Today free agency special that the Raps are lurking. I think a team that's lurking and is going to lurk in this is Toronto. They have all the kinds of pieces that you will want and their picks to do a deal for Kevin Durant. And they have an organization, a leader in Masai Ujiri, who certainly you saw the chance he took on Kawhi Leonard and one year left on his deal. How far are the Raptors willing to go in on off? in on an offer to Brooklyn. The Raptors are coming off a 48-34 season in which they finished fifth in the Eastern Conference. They have some intriguing potential players to offer. Most notably, Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes. Toronto also has all of its future first-round draft picks as well. As far as KD's contract status goes, he has four years and 100 97.5 million remaining on his deal. He does not have a no trade clause. 
ultimately, the signs are pointing to KD ending up in Phoenix to the point where Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote that he appears focused on Phoenix as the best place to continue his legendary career. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but for now, Durant's next destination remains as the biggest NBA offseason storyline. So, where do you think Kevin Durant ends up at next? Phoenix? Miami? I mean, after all, we did hear Joel and B said they could use one more star. Or could he end up in Toronto? You know, strange things happen, you know, since the name Kawhi came up in that situation. Yes, he was one and done with Toronto, got a championship out of it. And next thing you know, when the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes ramped up, everybody had him going here, everybody had him going there. And no, instead he ended up going to the L.A. Clippers along with Paul George. So anything can happen in these in this free agency frenzy. It's just a matter of who comes up with the best package. So right now you heard three names. Who knows another one could come up and be the surprise landing spot. So it's not about what we know and what we hear. It's about the unknown. Who can come up with something? They could get a Kevin Durant. So that saga will continue. Anyway, still sticking with the NBA. Harden meets with the 76ers. James Harden rumors star meeting with 76ers to begin negotiating a new contract. Contract negotiations began between the Philadelphia 76ers and All-Star guard James Harden are reportedly set to begin in earnest. According to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, Harden will meet with the 76ers on Saturday in the Hamptons on Long Island, New York, to discuss a new deal. Harden opted out of the final year of his contract this week in order to potentially negotiate a longer deal with the 76ers. While nothing is official regarding Harden's returning to Philadelphia, the expectation has always been that he would re-sign with the team. What when Harden declined a $47.4 million player option, Sham Charnier of the Athletic and Stadium reported that he would sign a new free agent deal with the Sixers. Charnier noted that the decision to opt out was made in an effort to lower Harden's salary and create more flexibility for the 76ers to sign other players. The 76ers are reportedly, have reportedly done that, reportedly signing veteran forward P.J. Tucker, center DeAndre Jordan, and wing the new old house to free agent deals, adding them to a roster that already includes MVP runner-up Joel Embiid, up-and-coming guard Tyrese Maxey, forward Tobias Harris, and others. Philadelphia took a big swing last season by acquiring Harden from the Brooklyn Nets for a package that included guards Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, center Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. It marked a reunion for Harden and Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, who was the Houston Rockets general manager when they acquired Harden from the Oklahoma City Thunder. The 10-time All-Star, three-time scoring champion, and one-time NBA MVP played well in 21 games for the Sixers, averaging 21 points, 10.5 assists, and 7.1 rebounds. Harden played the role of facilitator more than primary scorer as he often deferred to Embiid. Despite a strong roster headline by Embiid and Harden, the Sixers were eliminated by the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs, marking, marking they failed to make it past the second round. For now, bringing back Harden seemingly represents the Sixers' best chance to contend next season. So there's my opening segment, a little bit on some NBA news. Hope this far you are enjoying the ride, but we're just now building up ahead of steam. Also, I hope you have noticed my new logo. I will, keep, I will tell you more about that when I come back from this break. 
but it is the A Train Sports Talk podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Stay tuned. I'll be back with some more. It's the A Train Sports Talk podcast. We're building up state. and so much more. Thank you for listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. If you would like to have your ad or sponsor a segment on here, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or you can simply email me. That's Talk at gmail.com. That's Talk at gmail.com. Once again, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I told you we have a lot to get to. And I am not playing. We have a lot to get to. There is a lot going on. And at the center of it, you must have been sleeping under a rock if you didn't catch this. UCLA, USC, rivals. Miss we'll call them bed partners now. Because they have decided to pack up and take their gifts to the Big Ten. And what does all of this mean? Well, we're about to find out. I have an audio clip from CBS Sports. So without further ado, let's just check this out and I will get back with you. size, strength, overall power in college athletics, just pulling away from uh, the rest of Division One. Yeah, Chip, let me continue with that idea. And by the way, just to recap, the, uh, the Big Ten has brought in now USC and UCLA. The conference has accepted the schools. The schools have accepted the bids to join the Big Ten. And much like you were saying, that LA, the number two market in the country, just like the Big Ten went after Rutgers, let's not kid ourselves, that was because New York looms just over the river, you know, from Piscataway, New Jersey, just like Maryland brings in the D.C. market. Now the Big Ten goes nationwide. What does this all lead to? Chip, you kind of, you guys have both started talking about it. Are we going to end up seeing basically two mega conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, that become their own thing? Does it stay in the NCAA? Do they break away and form their own thing? Where are we headed here? I think we're heading to a place where the conferences mostly get to govern themselves. And I think that that is probably something that does exist outside of the NCAA's purview. I think that some of the schools in the MAC 
or some of the schools in the Big South or some of the schools at the FCS level. They don't want to have those schools voting on what these SEC and Big Ten schools can do. They want to be able to make their own rules. They want to be able to say how many coaches can be on a staff, how many scholarships you can give out for your football program, how many visits you can take. They don't want to have to play by the same rules because they are not playing the same game. Now, what does it mean in terms of even the Big Ten and the SEC? Well, that depends on where this stops. Because if we don't stop at 16 and we get to 18 or we even get to 20, do you even need non-conference games if you have a 20-team conference in college football? I don't think so. Maybe there's a postseason. Maybe we still have the bowl games. There's probably an expanded college football playoff. But non-conference regular season games are probably not a high priority if you have a 20-team conference. And so for me, I think that for sure we are looking at these two conferences entering a new future where they don't have to play by the rules of everybody else and they get to govern themselves for the most part. My real curiosity is how the rest of these conferences respond and whether or not anyone else gets to join the Big Ten and the SEC in this new autonomous landscape where they are existing in an entirely different world. Yeah, the, the NCAA, as far as it relates to the Big Ten and SEC football, it's done. It has no future with those two conferences. They are not really going to be conferences in the future as much as they're going to be professional football leagues, whether they call it that or not. It's essentially the model that they're following and what they're becoming. And I don't think they're done. I think that if you look at this first move, like I was saying earlier, I think the Big Ten is going to look to add more schools. Now, depending on who you listen to, some of the reporting from today has said that USC and UCLA came to the Big Ten with this idea, and the Big Ten, you know, not being morons, were like they were interested in hearing them out, and obviously they they agreed to do it. But I think if I'm the Big Ten, my next move, I'm finally going after Notre Dame. And I know Notre Dame has connections with the ACC, but something that was floated out there earlier today, USC, UCLA, now that they're joining the Big Ten, they stand to make about $100 million annually. That's been some estimates based on what we could get from the new Big Ten television deal, what these schools could be earning. If you look at the ACC and its grant of rights and the contract it is in, it will cost schools roughly $100 million to get out of their grant of rights with the ACC. So if you're going to be able to make that in one year in the Big Ten, if I'm the ACC, I'm terrified that the Big Ten is coming after me next. I think they're going to go at Notre Dame because if you are Notre Dame, the one thing that has kept you from joining a conference throughout your entire history has been that you want to be able to schedule independently and play your traditional rivals, USC, Stanford, teams in the Southeast. Well, guess what? You join the Big Ten at this point, USC is now a conference member. Stanford could be a conference member. I wouldn't be shocked if the Big Ten... One thing that gets overlooked here with USC and UCLA, and has been the case with all Big Ten expansion, the schools they add are all members of the AAU, which is a collection of research institutes. It's academics. It's stuff that I don't understand. But it says it's the way of saying we're good schools. There are a couple of those schools in the ACC as well. North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Georgia Tech. I don't think. And the Rays win it 6-2. to two. They snap a. So that is the skinny on that right now. That that was a panel from CBS Sports. So let's just dive into this report right now. So football drove USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, but could eventually mean big changes in college basketball too. UCLA has won 11 national championships in the sport of men's basketball. That's more than any other program. The tradition is strong. The trophy case is big, but that's not why the Big Ten announced Thursday that it will accept UCLA and USC as league members in 2024. Basketball just doesn't matter much in these matters. The reason the Big Ten announced Thursday that it will accept UCLA and USC as league members in 2024 is because USC is one of this nation's biggest and best football brands. That's the prize. And if you're taking USC, you might as well take UCLA because then you'll have the two biggest athletic departments in the second biggest television market in the United States, plus traveling partners and all that. Conferences are realigning again. And though 
this has been a constant thing for decades now. It's hard not to feel like what happened Thursday represents something different because it suggests that the Power Five will soon be gone and replaced by a Power Two of a supersized Big Ten and a supersized SEC. Nobody thinks the Big Ten is stopping at 16. Nobody thinks the SEC is stopping at 16. Both leagues are expected to, in the coming weeks or months or years, get to 20 members and maybe more. Washington and Oregon could follow USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Clemson and Florida State could join Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. North Carolina and Duke are sensible Big Ten candidates. Miami and Virginia Tech are reasonable SEC candidates, so on and so forth. The possibilities are endless. Yes, there are contracts to get around, but that's what lawyers are for. At some point, most assume somewhere between 40 and 50 of the biggest brands in college athletics will either be in the Big Ten or the SEC. As previously noted, basketball relevance will have little to do with which schools are pursued. But that doesn't mean these developments won't impact basketball. Which brings me to what I really want to say about the NCAA tournament. How confident are we that it'll remain untouched? CBS and Turner have a contract to broadcast the NCAA tournament through 2032. So we should be cool for a decade, I guess. But if the Big Ten and SEC are indeed supersized leagues pushing a combined 50 members when that contract expires. How crazy is it to think the SEC and Big Ten could grab another league or two or not? Or offer networks a postseason tournament featuring nothing but schools from those leagues? Does it sound any crazier than UCLA and Rutgers being in the same conference? Obviously not. Recently, someone asked a television executive about the possibility of something like this happening and he more or less told them it would probably be more lucrative but likely be an inferior product because just about everybody agrees one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament special is how all the teams from all 32 leagues have access to it without that you never get St. Peter's over Kentucky or George Mason to the final four or Dunk City or Davidson's Steph Curry becoming a star by bouncing through the bracket. But the only thing I heard is more lucrative. That scares me. Because nearly every decision that decision makers have made when it comes to seismic changes in college athletics in recent years has been motivated by money with little regard for anything else. So while I've heard many make the case that the one thing you cannot do is mess with the NCAA tournament because an NCAA tournament without all 32 conferences would ruin what is arguably the best postseason tournament in American sports. I guess my question is this. What if messing with the NCAA tournament and by messing with the NCAA tournament, I mean basically replacing it with a gigantic Big Ten SEC tournament that determines the national champion? is more lucrative for the Big Ten and SEC? That's a question. Would they mess with it then? Before you answer, remember, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has already floated the idea of an SEC-only postseason tournament in football. And if he's willing to put ending the CFP as we know it on the table, I can imagine he's unwilling to put ending the NCAA tournament as we know it on the table. He doesn't strike me as the sentimental type. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren doesn't either. They're just money chasers now being chased by money chasers. This week, it was USC and UCLA. Soon, more will follow suit. Exactly how it all shakes out is impossible to predict. But nothing seems safe anymore. Not the Pac-12, not the Big 12, not the ACC, not the geographical rivalries, traditions, or even a 68-team NCAA tournament featuring access for all that leads to Peacock's upsetting Wildcats and creates underdog moments that matter. So, in essence, this is really just the beginning to an end that we know nothing of. 
I had a chance on my 200th episode to talk with my good buddy, Scott Styles, and he said it like this. He said, there's a reason that a lot of these coaches have gotten out of the game now. Your Roy Williams, your Coach K's, Jay Wright just recently. And, yes, I know those are basketball coaches. But when you look at this whole thing in a nutshell and you're looking at Warren at commissioner for the for the uh, man, now I done drew a blank, but Greg Sankey, those commissioners, if it's all about money, you understand the full scope now when you see things like, like I said, Roy Williams stepping down, Coach Krzyzewski stepping down, Jay Wright stepping down, because they're impacted. What's impacting their decisions is the transfer report, NIL. Scott Styles said like this, you're having to redo your roster every year. Do you blame these coaches for getting out? Even high school players can't get excited about going to the next level, at least in basketball, because now teams are being built through the transfer portal. Unless you're like a top 10 prospect, and that might be a stretch, it's not guaranteed that you're going to one of these power schools. Like I say, what happens to the Big 12, the ACC? What happens to the other conferences as well, too? Do bowl games even mean anything? And if these brash commissioners want things their way, an an SEC playoff, an SEC only playoff, or Big Ten only playoff, or Big Ten SEC only playoff, and nothing else matters? I guess that friend of mine I was referring to, I guess maybe he wouldn't want to watch college football. But then again, yes, I would. I would want to see what a team like a, well, let me just say a Jackson State at F, because they're playing FCS level football. But you see what they're building. Jackson State, HBCU school. Easily can play in front of 60,000 on, on home games. Or your South Dakota States. You know, the schools like where Trey Lance and Carson Wentz came from. And then you're talking about messing with the NCAA basketball tournament, that in a nutshell. So, yes, you say basketball isn't relevant. This is football moves. But, yet yeah, it has a way of affecting college basketball as well, too, if these brash commissioners get their way. So I want you all to weigh in because I am going to pose some questions regarding what do you think? Which direction is there going to be an NCAA? That's the main, that's the main question. Is there going to be anything – is there going to – could be any such thing as an NCAA tournament or an NCAA. Or if there is an NCAA, what is it going to look like without your Big Ten and your SEC being a part of the NCAA? Because that's eventually what is going to end up boiling down to. It's going to be a breakaway. It's going to be a split. It's going to happen. It is evident. The, right, the handwriting is on the wall. You're looking at this thing unfolding as we look at it right now. Uh, what was the other thing he said? Because Scott talked about this on my 200th episode. He said he said he don't see there being expansion, but if there does, if there is an expansion of the college football playoff, it will be an eight-team playoff. Well, let me say it like this, Scott. You may be right about an eight-team college football playoff, but can I tell you the eight participants that's going to be in that tournament that's going to be in that college football playoff? They're going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten. That's your college football expanded playoff. You're going to have four teams easily from the SEC and four teams easily from the Big Ten. And you may as well call the Big Ten the Global Conference. Think about it. Like that panel from CBS said, you have California market. You have Rutgers, who's really irrelevant in football. The only relevancy they have is the fact that they have the New York market, which is one of the largest markets. You have Maryland playing in the Big Ten. Well, they get the Washington, D.C. market. It's all about marketability, all about the almighty dollar. Bottom line, that's what it's all about. 
And as far as putting a stop to it, if NCAA President Mark Emmert didn't put a stop to it and he's getting ready to walk up out of there as if to say, whoever the next guy is, he can fix this, I have a memo. It can't be fixed. The floodgates have opened, the dam is broken, and the dam can't be fixed. It's not a hairline fracture. It's a damn sinkhole. So what we're going to have left of what we know is the NCAA is going to be your Coastal Carolinas. Your FCS schools will most likely be playing NCAA Division I football, and it will be a brand that half y'all won't even give two shakes about. You're going to watch the Big Ten and the SEC, but your stomach is going to be churning. You're going to be watching kids out there making more money in one season playing college football than you can make in two or three years. You're going to be crying to your bosses, I need a raise. Your boss is going to say, why? Because that player on that college football team just inked the NIL deal making a million dollars and hasn't even touched the football. Yes, Bryce Young, Alabama, and yet Nick Saban had the audacity to call out Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, and Jackson State University, Deion Sanders. Come on, Nikki. Cool. But that's what it's coming to. These mega conferences, these mega dollars, these mega NIL deals, a situation that's being created that cannot be fixed. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Yes, it seemed like I just went on a rant right there. I just had to tell it like it was. Anyway, I'll be back with some more. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your favorite host, your favorite conductor, Anthony Smith. Stay tuned. I will be right back with some more. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, which could most likely be my final segment, I do believe. I hope you have enjoyed the ride. So, in leading into my final segment, all you got to do is read these depositions and details and hear his utter lack of ability to rationally explain himself. Rich Eisen believes Deshaun Watson deserves a lengthy suspension. The ongoing case of Deshaun Watson and his potential suspension has dominated NFL headlines in recent months. According to analyst Rich Eisen, the Cleveland Browns quarterback deserves a lengthy suspension for his actions. Watson is being investigated for sexual misconduct after more than 20 women level accusations at the former Houston Texans quarterback. Speaking on the Rich Eisen show, Eisen stated that Watson had no rational explanation for his actions and thus should not be let off the hook. Here's his statements. If this comes up with zero games, there will be such a major hue and cry, including from this seat. Zero games for Deshaun Watson's behavior. All you got to do is just 
read these depositions and read the details and hear his complete, utter lack of ability to rationally explain himself. And when I say rationally, I mean for somebody who, in my case, just very eager to hear something understandably exculpatory from him about his own behavior. Deshaun Watson may move on with no repercussions. Despite the allegations leveled at him, Deshaun Watson has given a fully was given a fully guaranteed five-year, two hundred thirty million dollar deal in the Browns from with the Browns this offseason. This means that even if he is suspended, he stands to make a fortune. According to Eisen, the whole situation is a mess. He went on and said, and then if he gets zero games and gets to play all games and make. Forty-six million. What a horrible look for everyone, including every other player in the in the association that I understand is doing its job right now. But just think of the ramifications if what comes out of all of this is Watson loses no games this year and makes all of his forty-six million. What a mess that would be. Watson's hearing before the NFL and NFL Players Association jointly appointed disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson came to an end. And earlier this week, according to reports, a decision is expected to be announced later this month. And I had the opportunity to look at another report that said Deshaun Watson might not even put on a Cleveland Browns uniform, which would make this whole thing really look even messy, not just on Deshaun's part, but on Cleveland's part, because of the fact they invested all this money in Deshaun Watson, really without doing their due diligence. And if that isn't bad enough, well, there is one who thinks that the Cleveland Browns should apologize to Baker Mayfield and start him in case they don't have Deshaun Watson for a lengthy period of time. Now, here are some tweets or some comments that were made. One person says, this man was not charged with any crimes. Two grand juries brought no cases against him. In this country, a man is guilty or innocent based on a trial before his peers and a judge in good standing. The court of social media, in popular opinion, was not included in our Constitution. What is a shame is that any woman can cry wolf and show some tears and receive the sympathy of the public. It's never the poor homeless man that women come after. IRS, the millionaire, athletes, and celebrities. The greatest get-rich-quick scheme known to America. How about this one? I'm not attaching names. I'm just reading these comments. It says, I would say yes to your get-rich-quick scheme, but not when it involves 24 women, soon to be 26. Oh, how about one says 66? Seems like the number count keeps going up. I say I still smell a rat. Soon to be 26, women saying the same thing about what he did on each of these occasions. These overpaid jocks need to learn to keep Mr. Johnson in their pants and stop thinking that they can do whatever they choose just because they have a lot of money. One said, the Constitution doesn't apply here. I wouldn't want OJ or Deshaun dating my daughter. There's not one woman. There's over 20. There's over 20 of them. The NFL is a business and should do what they think is right in this situation. The number of women doesn't make a difference. Look at all the evidence, one being that one being that some of the women had more than one session with him. Or how about this? Do you guys feel the same way about Robert Kraft? He did the same thing, but no one brings his name up. I wonder why. Hmm. Or how about this? The same Rich Eisen that had a 25-minute segment on his show laughing and making jokes about Robert Kraft, utter hypocrisy and racism. 
Good old boys network. How about this? You have a lot to say about Watson, but nothing to say about Roethlisberger, Jones, or Kraft. Why is that? All of the cases were sexual assaults. I don't know if he's guilty or innocent. I wasn't there, and neither were you. Wow, a lot of people had something to say. And if you look at what they said, to some extent, some on both sides of the fence had valid points. But let's get to this final piece, and I will bring this train into the tracks. Because there is one who says the Browns should apologize to Baker Mayfield. Robert Griffin III, Browns should apologize to Baker Mayfield, ask him to start at QB if Watson is suspended. (sighs) Yes, that's all I can do. Because, first of all, we know that's not going to happen. But I'm going to close on this note anyway. We don't know yet who will be playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns for the majority of the 2022 season. It's clear that the team would like it to, would like it to be Deshaun Watson, given that the Browns traded a significant haul to the Houston Texans in exchange for his services, then handed him a fully guaranteed $230 million contract, despite his having been accused by more than two dozen women of sexual misconduct. The structure of that contract, with a minimum base salary in the first year of the deal, suggests that both Watson and the Browns expect Jacoby Brissett to start more than a few games this season, though, and that's less than the ideal. Appearing on the Rich Eisen show earlier this week, former NFL quarterback Robert Griffin III, who played for the Browns back in 2016, said he thinks the team should try to mend fences with Baker Mayfield so that he can take the reins under center if and when Watson is suspended for violating the league's personal conduct policy. I think the Browns should offer the olive branch to Baker and ask him to stay if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a significant amount of time, Griffin told Eisen. Baker's proven he proven in this city he can go win a playoff game, get you to the playoffs, and do all those things. Last year he played hurt and wasn't very effective. Bottom line is, Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. That's just the bottom line. And if you're going to have to play a full season with the guy, your best option is to go back to Baker Mayfield and beg him to stay. For his part, Mayfield does not seem all that interested in such an arrangement, at least not right now. No, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out but we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides, Mayfield said about the prospect of playing for the Browns this season. Griffin thinks the Browns should do exactly that, and he, and he even knows what they should say. I think the Browns should approach Baker and say, we need you. We're sorry how this all worked out, but we want to give you an opportunity to go out there and prove yourself, and I think Baker should take that, Griffin said. This seems like a highly unlikely scenario given how this entire situation has been handled to date. But with Mayfield still on the team's roster until he's officially traded elsewhere, it's going to be considered a plausible option, and there will be people out there who support it. So, question. If you are Baker Mayfield, if you are Baker Mayfield, And if the Cleveland Browns as an organization come back to you begging, pleading, basically giving up everything they could possibly think of to give up to get your services, do you let them beg and plead? Kind of like the song, I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. Even if I have to beg and plead for your sympathy. Because you know you mean that much to me. If you're Baker, do you let them do that just to empathetically tell them? No. 
Or do you let them beg and do you keep them in waiting and say, let me think on it? Or do you say, you know what? I want to believe that you guys are sincere and I think you guys are going to put me in the best possible position to be successful this year. I'll give it a go. I mean, those are basically your three options if you're Baker Mayfield. Is he better than Jacoby Brissett? Probably to a certain point. Jacoby Brissett at best is a mid-tier game manager. Yes. Baker hasn't lit the world on fire, but at the same time, he hasn't burnt the house down either. So the Cleveland Browns find themselves in a very unique situation. And I hope they can figure their situation out. Because all I do is talk on a podcast. I'm not paid to figure a situation out. But it would suck to be them to not have someone that they paid $230 million for a whole year. Because the suspension could very well be a season, maybe two. There could be some ramifications on the Cleveland Browns making this move without doing all their due diligence, too. Anyway, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I have enjoyed myself on this Saturday, the Saturday before the 4th of July. All I want to say is to each and every one of you out there, if it pops, don't hold it. Let it go. Well, I'm getting ready to bring this train into the station. Who knows? I may do a podcast on you by the fourth. But anyway, I hope you guys have a safe holiday. If you're already on the road, I hope you have safe travels. Be safe out there. Going to and fro. Enjoy your fourth of July, but make sure it's a safe one. This is your favorite host and conductor bringing the train to the station saying, have a blessed weekend. I'm out. <laughs>